0: from Mars at 11 o'clock p.m. on last Saturday evening I received the following message on my own private radio set good evening little Archie and how are you this is Mars speaking Mars I replied at once whom or who as the case may be do I know on Mars everyone here is familiar with your work Archie was the answer now I have something we're just going to have to listen to this I'll tell you uh, you know, uh, once in the great wild, you get something in the mail that really throws you, you know. <laughs> and and it doesn't happen very often. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, many letters are funny or many things that are said in letters are funny and so on. But once in a while, something comes that will really surprised you. And I think you're going to be surprised. At least I was. You ready for it? Uh, give me a little mood music for this, would you please? Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, I'm glad you dropped in. Seated at the vast, mighty console of the cosmos, controlling the eternal speed atoms as they soar in ever-circling parabolic arcs toward the furthestmost reaches of men's grasping talon like mine. <laughs> play well. I'm surprised at the vast improvement in such a short time. But of course, this is always something I've said to you many times over. If you put your mind to it, you can do damn near anything. It's a little showy, but uh, you'll outgrow that. The way you're about it, why not bring home some Maple nut ice cream. Oh yeah, I quartz enough. I'm not gonna mess with it myself, but it has its uses. <laughs> so tonight we salute Julia Child. Who's she? I don't know. Just like the way the name rolls off the tip of the tongue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I forgot. I was about to tell you about this letter. You will reset that, Arthur, if you will. In fact, any one of those cuts would do all right with it. So, dear Mister Shepard, my colleagues and I enjoy listening to your program. Now, so far, that's conventional, right? Since your signal is very weak here in Milano, we are not able to recover the musical portions of your broadcast. I just received this letter in the mail this afternoon. It is mailed and was mailed in Milan, Italy. And here is a guy with his friends who listen to this show from this station every day and every night. He's listening right now, this minute, in Milan, Italy. It says, my colleagues and I enjoy listening to your show. Now, I must point out, this is not being broadcast on wave. It is they're hearing this direct. And are you curious how they're doing it, Art? Being an engineer? Listen to this one. Since your signal is very weak here in Milan, we are not able to recover the musical portions of your broadcast. I would like to know if any recordings of your Jews harp head thumping performances are available and then he includes the address. He happens to be a doctor and a professor of public health at the University of Milan. You ready for that, friends? So this is not a cockamamie letter. He says, P.S., in case you personally read this note, you may be interested in our receiving rig. We have dual antennas and recorders, one on the top of the Hotel Palace, the other atop the Hotel Savoy, which is one half wavelength away, roughly. We record your signals through a 3KC spectral window and, quote, noise through two adjacent 1.5KC windows. For recovery, the, quote, noise is subtracted, a la Fourier analysis, leaving your signal queer except for a strong local signal which is also recorded at high gain and later removed. The voice quality is poor but is totally intelligible on a daily basis the music is not readable at all now that's what he's talking about is a highly technical form of receiving extremely faint signals and uh, the the minute I got this this letter now for those of you who who, you know may be skeptical about this I might point out the minute I got the letter I uh, went up to see Giff who is one uh, one of the uh, engineering executives here and a good technical man Giff Campbell, and I, I showed him this letter. He says he says he knows what he's talking about. He says that is that is technically possible, and it is that uh, that this is is part of a growing new hobby. And he goes on with a lot more technical details, which I don't want to burden you with, about how they sit in this hotel in Milan. He's apparently living in this hotel, and several of his colleagues are there, and they've set up this highly complex re- receiving equipment where they can listen to the show every day they want. And they do it with all kinds of filters and so on. Now, uh, I, I, uh, I think that, uh, that one of the fastest-growing underground hobbies today, and it's a curious thing because it's a hobby that is it's really having a resurgence uh, from the days when... I, I remember my old man, for example... Uh, one of one of the first memories I have of my father, and you probably have your own memories of your own father. One of the very first memories you have, of your father, what was he doing? I mean, actually doing. Well, one of the first memories I have of my old man is him sitting in the in the living room. We had this, uh, uh, you know, living room, real living room type place with the uh, overstuffed furniture and all that stuff, and. Uh, he would be in the living room, and he was sitting in front of his this radio. He had a radio which was like the center of his universe. He loved his radio. Now, that didn't mean he loved listening to the radio. Don't, no, that's two different things. Now, a lot of people love their television set because they love the stuff that they see on it. But that's not the same as a guy who loves his television set as a piece of equipment. And he's not really concerned with what he, what he sees on it. And, you know, there are those, too. Uh, I, I uh, ran into a guy the other day who's one of the country's leading DX listeners or viewers on TV. He has a highly complex rotary antenna, which he uh, he uses, and he lives out on, on Long Island, and he has this tower up about uh, 75 feet, maybe 100 feet in the air. And on the top of it, he's got... Uh, this tremendous directional TV antenna, receiving antenna. It's not a rabbit ear or anything like that. It's a highly complex, Yagi uh, antenna. It's a, it's a professional type with the rotary uh, drive and everything else. And at night, he tunes into channels like 3 and 6, and uh, uh, channels which you don't see anything here locally unless you have a really special type of antenna system and uh, of course on channel uh, say for example channel 4 when they go off the air and he rotates his antenna like a like a great seeing eye and uh, every night he picks up st louis <laughs> he picks it, yeah he picks up stuff like uh, strange things like Alba gordo new mexico and he logs these things he keeps a very in- intricate involved log as to uh, whether or not the the the, the picture is really uh, legible, whether he can really see it. He, and sometimes, of course, being being that they're broadcast on two different channels, sometimes he can only see the picture and he can't get the sound. Other times, the sound comes through beautiful. He, he's getting a tremendous sound from some station in Georgia or someplace like that, but he can't see the picture. Now, his greatest coup was one night uh, sitting and, and he what, the way he does it Uh, to to give a a kind of, uh, to prove to people that he actually does it, he's got a Polaroid camera set up. Now, he writes to the television stations involved, you know, to get a a confirmation card and all that. They get a letter back from the manager of the station that they actually were broadcasting. And the way he proves it is interesting. He's got a Polaroid camera, and he, he sets this Polaroid camera up, At night, he gets it all set up, see, so that when (laughs) when when he he picks up a really rare signal, let's say he picks up uh, oh uh, something like uh, let's say uh, Boulder, Colorado, will suddenly come in for a few brief seconds, you see, because this stuff is very shifty. Uh, There's all kinds of canneli, heavy side layer involved, all kinds of strange sunspots and so on, and all of a sudden the signal may come zap, come in. And by the way, he follows all the ultra high frequency. uh, scatter charts and so on that are available to anybody who's involved in, in VHF and UHF work where they can predict various types of reflective uh, signals well in advance you know you can buy a you can buy a chart which will predict what the uh, E layer or the canelli heaviside layer will do for weeks in advance this is for professional people they can they can really tell what they're going what they're going to see so he'll pick up a signal and instantly he begins to photograph it with his Polaroid camera. Now, uh, sometimes he gets a fairly decent picture, other times he doesn't. But when he di- when he gets a good picture, and he waits till they make their station break. So on comes the station break. It says uh, W-K-L-N-U-C-K, uh, Pitcairn, Iowa. Look, he's taking the pictures. And then he, he takes the, the, the print, and he, he makes two of them. He has one for himself, and then the, the other one he sends off to the station. That he actually received the signal, you know, he shows where he was and all that, and then he gets back a confirmation card. His greatest coup was the brief moment one night, and he said it was extremely brief. One night, he picked up a fugitive signal from Paris, France. He actually picked up a video signal, a brief but unmistakable signal from Paris. And it was direct, of course. This has nothing to do with the with moon bouncer coaxial cable. It was the real thing. Well, now this is a, a sneaky undercurrent, underbelly hobby that's growing like man. Have you ever heard of this hobby? You haven't, really? This is WOR, New York. And right now, at this minute, I would like to know, this just for my own purposes, I would like to know how many guys are listening to the show tonight. Uh, DX listeners who are picking up this show, picking me up tonight, in places widely separated, and they're doing it purely because they're interested in DX listening. That's a great new hobby, especially among kids. That uh, Older people tend to look up radio as, you know, just that thing in the corner where they get the news and once in a while they get the time on. But uh, uh, the, the kids, m- many kids, are buying shortwave, uh, highly complex FM uh Really sensitive AM receivers, and they're using them and shortwave too to explore all those pi- points on the dial that the average person never listens to. Most people look upon radio just the thing they turn on, and that's it, you know. But uh, uh, the, it's a it's a fantastic world if you if you ever get a good antenna on your radio receiver, and I'm talking about uh, the AM band right now at this point because the AM band covers a larger uh, territorial area let say FM which is largely line of sight uh, you won't hear much in the way of dX on FM but let me tell you you take a you take your radio receiver and you put an antenna on it and i think this is why a lot of people have uh, have kind of dropped out of that hobby because most of the receivers and certainly in fact almost every receiver you buy today has this little built-in uh, ferrite antenna which is really just a Uh, a substitute for an antenna. It's no antenna at all. It it, it makes it it work well enough on local signals. But if you stick an antenna on this thing and run that antenna out out the window and up maybe to the roof of your house, you would be astounded at the stuff you would hear. And it is just amazing. It's like somebody's taken the curtain and pulled it open on the window and you you suddenly see a whole world out there. Well, I, I, uh, from time to time, uh, I, I remember my old man, for example. I can remember him sitting in front of his radio, and uh, he used to sit there in front of that radio every night. I mean, night after night after night. And uh, he had this this receiver that he was really proud of. It was a, it was like today if if some guy were to go out and buy himself a Ferrari, and uh, he may not uh, you know drive it 250 miles an hour or something, but just having this great piece of equipment was uh, is a uh, you know kind of a, fun, a great feeling to have it. Well. He, he used to have a, a great receiver. We didn't have anything else now. I mean, you know, uh, we, we tended to live on meatloaf. But he got this receiver, which was a very expensive, uh, highly uh, highly tuned and extremely sensitive radio receiver. And we put an antenna. The old man put an antenna on the roof, see? And uh, I remember when he and Uncle Carl, all my uncles got together to put this antenna up. Now, this was not a... Don't, don't assume this a battery or anything like that. It was much after those days... So not all the old codgers writing, yes, I remember the Neutrodine circuit that I built in 1923. This is not what we're talking about. This was uh, in the late 30s, and it was uh, probably the peak period of uh, good radio receivers before they went into miniaturization and just simply local reception. And so he put up an antenna. He bought an antenna that was a uh, tuned doublet. Uh, that uh, the RCA, I think it was an RCA antenna that they used to put out for DX listening. It's a very involved antenna. Had a twisted pair lead in, and, and uh, had a uh, balun, what would be a matching transformer at the top of the thing. And it was really quite an antenna. So he ran his antenna, put up a pole on the on the roof of the house, and uh, the pole was uh, probably uh, 25 or 30 feet high. He, he, he got a couple of big two by twos and, and built it like a little tower and of course our house was a two-story house so it was pretty well up in the air and then he ran this antenna all the way back to the garage he put up another big pole back there with wires, the whole bit and uh, he ran the lead in down into the, down in the living room he used to sit there and tune in DX stuff he was a nut on it and he kept very involved, meticulous logs he Had this, these big ledger sheets and he used to keep logs what time he heard the signal, what they were doing, what exact frequency it was, whether or not he got a confirmation card and all that stuff. And he kept these page after page after page. Now, he didn't only listen to, uh, you know, uh, American signals. Because that, when he put this antenna system up, the whole idea was that he could hear foreign signals, not on wave, which anybody could do. But foreign signals on AM, and so he would he would tune in things like Lima, Peru, uh, on on broadcast. And uh, at two o'clock in the morning, you'd hear a sudden yelling out in the living room. I'm asleep, seeing so "Y'all, oh wow, hurry up, get everybody get up, wow, wow." The old man is sitting in front of his radio sets, and he's got nine empty bottles of beer all around him. And he says, "Shh, shh listen, listen, hear that?" And you hear. Totally unintelligible, see? Shh, listen. Shh, shh. He says, that's X-E-L. Mexico City. Now, shh, listen. He'd be out of his gourd. Eyeballs popping up like ping pong balls. The, you know, everybody's up. My my mother is standing there looking real sleepy. She's got these aluminum rheostats and she She's, why don't you come to bed? You know, you're waking right up. Shh, what is that? And he's sitting there crouched over his radio, sucking away at the Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. And he has just finally, at long last, logged XEL, Mexico City. Well, <laughs> that's uh This has forever infected me. I guess, you know, we're always infected by the people around us. And uh, ever since, you know, I was a little kid, because of my old man flipping over the way his radio worked, he never worried about what he heard. I think a lot of people have confused this with me. They, They think that I used to sit and listen to the radio when I was a kid. I never did. Radio, as a listening thing, was never interesting to me. I never hardly ever listened to it. But I built radios. There's a fine distinction, you agree, on <laughs> Very fine distinction, and uh, and I, I built, uh, I never built any broadcast receivers. All the stuff I built were amateur radio communications receivers and stuff. But uh, the old man was totally devoted to listening to DX on the broadcast band, and he used to really pick it up. I mean, he pick up stuff like Prague. Uh, once in a great while, he would he would really do something fantastic. Like he occasionally, when the, when things were absolutely right. He would pick up, say, uh, something like uh, Sydney. Now, that's absolutely possible. If you don't think it is possible, let me tell you this. that a, a few years ago, I worked on a radio station out in the Midwest. And a lot of it, of course, depends on the frequency that you're broadcasting. And I hope this isn't boring you, you know, but uh, it's, a, it's a subject behind me anybody ever discusses. The, you know, radio is a technic, technique. Uh, I used to be on a radio station out in the Midwest It a big... Uh, you know, 50,000-watt station, and they had a strange frequency. It was way down around 1530 down there, way, way down with the police calls <laughs> and stuff like that. Almost short wave, as a matter of fact. And they had this tremendous antenna system. They had something like six or eight towers that were, oh, maybe six, seven, eight hundred feet tall up on a big hill out there, and uh, they had a good ground system. Now, this is going to seem hard for you to believe. In fact, uh... Uh, looking back on it, 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 it even seems uh, difficult for me to, to believe. But I was on late at night out there around, uh, and at the time I was going to school. So uh, I was kind of working both ends of the scale and I was half out of my skull most of the time because I would never get a chance to sleep and all that. And I was on like say one and two o'clock in the morning on this station. I used to get regular letters from a fan club. I had, there was a fan club that developed that listened to me, and it was, a, you know, if you can imagine, a Gene Shepherd fan club. But there it was. And it was a fan club in Christchurch, New Zealand. How do you like them apples, friends? And, and, of course, they were hearing me in the middle of the day there because here I was on, say, something like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and this is all the way across the globe, so it's, it's daytime over there. And uh, these guys, and they really did. They, they really did hear me because they would send regularly. I would get a note from Christ Church, New Zealand, and they would, they would write things that I had said and talked about because this was their way of proving to me. They were really hearing me I and mean, absolutely authentic. And uh, I couldn't believe, you know, these guys were on a regular basis. Now, that means that it would be like as if in the middle of the afternoon, say at 2 3 o'clock in the afternoon, if you took your radio receiver and turned it on, you're, I'm not talking about shortwave, of your regular AM receiver and you listen to Tokyo for a while coming in, that would be pretty remarkable. And uh, this is what they did. Well, uh, so one night, just as out of curiosity one night, i, to, I, I talked about this. I said, you know, it's a pretty wild thing, getting a regular uh, letter from a, a group of people who listen to me regularly in uh, New Zealand. And I said, uh, I would just be curious to know how many people are hearing me in countries outside of America who listen regularly. I, I, I just want to know. Just write me a letter, and, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see that you get some kind of a confirmation card or something like that. We've we figured out something. But I just, just tossed it off. Within the next two weeks... As a result of that one comment, I received letters from 27 different countries. I remember that figure very well because nobody would... We were astounded. I mean, from places like Peru. Uh, We got letters from uh, very unexpected places like Gibraltar. You know, strange places. And and, uh, apparently there are DX people. uh, This is more outside of, of America than it is inside America. There are people with very elaborate antenna systems who who listen to stuff way far and removed from their locale. I mean, real DXers. But uh, that 27, I remember that 27 different countries in one fell swoop. And it went all the way from Sweden to Australia. Tremendous. And uh, tonight, <coughs> excuse me, tonight at this time, it's very hard to know uh, here it is it's winter time and uh, winter time of course makes a big difference Uh, maybe I ought to even uh, go a little further in this uh, this whole thing of radio because I've spent a lifetime as an amateur radio operator and dealing with uh, this kind of thing as a a hobby and, and of course it's a highly technical hobby and you have to get involved in it or you don't do it and uh I guess a lot of people are not aware of the things that, that cause uh, reception to be different in one area than in another. Now, wintertime is different from summertime in reception. You probably notice that uh, that at, at late at night, when you're driving home in your car, you can hear signals from you know pretty wild places. I mean, all over the all over the world, actually all over the United States. Well, that's uh, much more common in the winter time than it is in the summer primarily because of the difference in Earth temperature, the atmospheric temperature, that that the canelli heaviside layer, there's an ionized layer which uh, exists around the Earth. There are different layers. There's the A layer, the B layer, C layer, and so forth, the uh, Van Allen belt, and so on. And these these layers are the layers that reflect radio signals. They reflect it just the way uh, you'd reflect a, a mirror, a mirror reflects light and so when I broadcast on this frequency the uh, signal will go up and hit this layer and it will be reflected and it, it, may, it may bounce uh, uh, for a thousand miles it may only bounce uh, 50 miles as the skip that's called skip frequency as your uh, skip broadcast and as your skip changes it will move on further and further and it often follows the night so in fact it always follows the night so as the sun goes down, the skip, almost uh, almost the way the sun goes, the skip increases until uh, when you hit midnight, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, your skip is at its absolute maximum, and you will hear signals coming in from, say, San Francisco at 2 or 3 in the morning if you have an antenna on your receiver. And then as it begins to get towards morning, the skip slowly changes, and those signals slowly fade out until... As the sun comes up, they're gone completely. It's like a whole world has disappeared when the sun uh, sun comes up, and now you're back home again. And uh, this this is part of it. Now, of course, uh, all of you have heard the, you know, the story of the uh, sunspots. Well, sunspots do really affect uh, transmission, especially on the higher frequencies. It uh, doesn't affect it much on uh, AM, but uh, it'll affect television. Uh, sometimes you'll go through a whole... Two or three month period when your TV set doesn't seem to be working well, and you think you know, oh, that's a crummy set. I just had it fixed. Wait, it's crummy. thing. Well, actually, if you talk to friends of yours, you'll find that the, that everybody's set is working badly due to the effect of sunspots. Uh, you notice that flutter that comes on your your TV sometimes. You'll notice it on FM. You'll get a flutter, and uh, the picture will flop over a time or two. Notice when that happens notice that a jet airplane has just passed overhead. There's a direct correlation uh, that that this airplane, what you're really doing then at that point, you're acting as a very crude form of radar. Uh, Not really radar. Well, yes, it's a very crude form of radar. And what's happened is that big metal airplane has gotten between the bouncing signal which is coming down and uh, had gotten between you and and uh, and the the source, and it's caused uh, all kinds of strange uh, reflections on that airplane. And so you, you'll notice you'll suddenly get you get this flutter, and it flutters out, and the airplane is going over. Uh, you'll get this on FM quite often, and that's because uh, again that that aircraft. Now this this is uh, in essence the way radar works. Uh, that that radar really is. Of course, it's a reverse process, but this is really the way radar, the basic concept of radar. Now, uh, when I, uh, I remember one time, these these are the kind of things which, which you never can explain, really. Uh, some things, well, you I suppose if you have all the technical data, you could explain it. But one time, I came home from school, I'm, I'm about uh, 16, some 16, 17, and uh, I, I had uh, a very, very very m- minutely powered transmitter. As a matter of fact, I was running, for you. any of you guys that are hams, you'll know what I'm talking about, I was running roughly two and a half watts input to a, a uh, pentode, a, in fact it was a 6L6, a beam-powered pentode tube with very low voltage on the plate. And I was running about two and a half watts to this thing to a uh, 66 foot uh, center-tuned doublet now that was uh, uh, primarily a 40-meter antenna, but I had doubled down with a pi network, and I'm down on 20 meters. Okay. Now, uh, for those of you who don't understand what this means, I'm I'm down on short wave now, and I'm running so little power that I'm having trouble even hearing myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like a term I turn my receiver and I start keying. It was it was cold, you see, and. Uh, I, I was really having a bad time. I, I would, for weeks, I would call, and I would call different guys, and I'd hear signals coming in. I never, hardly ever worked anybody. Once in a while, I'd I'd, uh, I'd hook a guy in Cleveland, which, uh, and he would barely hear me. So one day, I come home. I turn on my receiver, and it's the middle of summer. This is what made it so strange. It was the middle of summer, hot summer. Ooh, it was a hot, stormy day. With a lot of thunder shower activity in the area, lightning and stuff, and I hear a lot of crashing in my receiver and nothing, absolutely not a signal on the band, absolutely dead. It was like if you tuned on your radio tonight and there was just no signals on it, just a lot of static. It was dead, except for one thing there was a tremendously loud signal, tremendously loud signal that seemed to cover. Most of the band, it was like he was halfway across the band, and it was one of the loudest CW signals I ever heard, and it was raw AC. Now, you know how most codes sound. You know, code is a high pitched boop, boop. You know how code sounds. This is CW. It's a clear, clean whistle. And that's the way it's supposed to sound. Well, this guy's signal was raw AC, and it went something like this it was it was a signal that was so loud that it was literally blasting my cans right off my head my earphones and that was very suspicious to me because there was nothing else on the band and he was coming in so loud i just sat there and listened to him i said what the heck is this guy you know uh, this is this is a phony signal. Uh, it was raw AC. It did not have any any filtering on the final power supply, which made it even sound more suspicious. And I immediately thought, uh oh, here's a bootlegger, some kid playing around who shouldn't be there, you know. And uh, I, I listened. It's going uh, 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 sending very slowly and deliberately, which made him sound even more like a bootlegger who didn't really know the code. Oh, <laughs> my Why I was astounded. For those of you who don't understand code, I'll tell you. When he signed his call letters, it was UA1AE Siberia, which is a very rare signal, especially when there are no other signals coming in on the band. And the way he was coming in, it was like you know gangbusters. The top of my head was flying off, and I says, "Uh-oh, there's some kid." two blocks away who's a bootlegger who's got himself a spark coil and he's sitting there playing around see so he go he's calling c q <coughs> He signs he stands by he is called c q he is now standing by for an answer so i you know i've got my two and a half watts all fired up so shepherd hits the key He goes <octopus> I knew he could hear me. I mean, obviously if the guy's sitting in the next block, sitting down there bootlegging. You know, I didn't even bother to sign my call twice. And then I knew he was a phony as soon as I signed. He goes, <coughs> <coughs> it oh <laughs> 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 then I knew he was a fake he has just told me that my two and a half watts of signal is being heard with an S8 rating an S8 signal strength, which is almost as loud as a signal can be, in Murmansk, or someplace like Murmansk. Well, I came back and I really read him out. I says, Get off the band, you phonus polonus. I says, Come on, knock it off. The RI, the radio inspector, is going to really bust your you know what. Get off the band before I really, you know. And I left the, the whole business. I says, oh, forget it. And I turned off the rig. I says, there's nothing on the band tonight. I don't want to mess around. With it. It's bad signal sounds and all that. Well, that little episode kind of settled in my mind, and it disappeared. You want to hear the upshot of it? Three years later, I'm in the Army, and I'm standing around in mail call. And, you know, you get the usual letters from home. you use the newspapers and jazz. And I get a letter from the ARRL, which is the American Radio Relay League. And they said in the letter, we have some cards for you from distant stations. And that we'd like to forward them to you. Would you please send us a stamp cell or a envelope. So I said, okay. you know I figured I'd get a couple of cards that I hadn't uh, got the answers to. Them. Two weeks later, I get a letter from the ARRL, and in it is a card from UA1AE. He actually had heard me, and I was talking to a Russian. I was not talking to a bootlegger, and I had completely fluffed them off. It's like meeting a little old guy in a, in a dark street corner. He says, Hey, Mac, do you want to buy a Stratovarius for $12? And you say, "Get out of here, you phony!" And the next day, there's a big headline. It says, "Man sells Stradivarius for twelve dollars." <laughs> Man from Bronx buys it. Is now wealthy. Is now living on Bermuda. Well, it was. it's one of the. That's why I say you cannot. Do you have a TV guide in there? All right. If you would like to get some TV expertise, here it comes right in your ear. <laughs> TV Guide is profile, commentary, criticism, a continuing report on how the electronic medium shows and shapes our world. The current issue of TV Guide magazine profiles Doris Day. The image is sugar and spice and everything nice. The reality is more complex. Doris Day, Up Close, the cover story of the new issue of TV Guide. Then read Two Perspectives on America's Morals and Manners. The Business of Divorce, Hollywood Style, and Campus Unrest, a summary of how college activists relate to and use television. Just some of the articles worth reading this week in TV Guide. TV Guide, New York's biggest selling weekly magazine. America's biggest selling weekly magazine. TV Guide, on sale everywhere. Yes, the real door Day. Did it exciting! <laughs> hey, gang, your Shoprite supermarket is one of the busiest inflation fighters around. These are real fighters, constantly working to save you dough. Shoprite—they have all kinds of great prices, like fresh, tender broccoli, twenty-nine cents a bunch. Red, delicious apples, just nineteen cents a pound. It's all priced right at Shoprite this week. So uh, get down there and fight inflation. You'll spend all your dough at ShopRite. Why pay more? Hey, listen, speaking of uh, unbelievable buys, Shepard is appearing at the Polytechnic Institute of Brooklyn February 26 at 8 p.m. For all of you who missed the Princeton show, we have prepared an even more obscene show, which will be seen at Polytechnic Institute of Brooklyn Friday, February 26 at 8 p.m. Clip Gord Auditorium. 285 J Street in Brooklyn. And they don't have many seats there, friends, so you better get on the shtick. For uh, ticket information, call 212. That's the area code. 643-4441. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You call that number. All seats are two bucks and a half. And if you'd like to order them by mail, they'll tell you the story. So give them a call. It's 212, area code, 643-4441. Shepard makes his Brooklyn debut. Don't miss this show. Remember, only the dead and Shepard, know Brooklyn. I wonder if that guy in Milano has just recorded that. <laughs> They've got $28 million worth of equipment, big dipole antennas revolving in the air, and what he gets is a note that Shepard's playing the Polytechnic Institute of Brooklyn. Hello, Milano. How are you? All right, George. I've been in Milano. Boy, do they have smog there. If you think Jersey's got uh, crud coming down out of the sky, you ought to be in Milano someday. You know, that's where they build the Fiatos and all the rest of it. Fist fight and yell and holler. So, uh, good luck to Milano. And you guys that are listening to us in Aachenborg, Sweden, we'd like to say hello to you. And, uh, for those of you listening to us in Augsburg, Germany, V. Gates... And uh, uh, and then, yeah, all of you out there in the Staten Island, hello! Oh, we're not making it to Staten Island, tonight. I win, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, I'm not thinking... Of, by the way, are you aware that the, that the concentration of thought waves on your own radio receiver and television receiver will actually change its receptivity? Now you think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding you at all. I'm not kidding. There is a direct correlation... So nobody knows, you know. You may be, see what happens. You you realize your brain is an electrical instrument, right? You know that? There are electrical currents through your head, right? I mean most people's head. All right. Okay? Well, if you think real hard, it sends out magnetic waves. And when magnetic waves get all around those little rabbit ears and dipoles around your receiver, God only knows what you're going to see. You better get your head shielded. You can wear a little helmet of Reynolds wrap, you know? (laughs) You know, a little helmet of Reynolds wrap and put a little dipole on the top, and you and your friend can... Oh, well, you know, after all, what can you expect? It's great.